brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, Vangas? Okay, before we get into this killer interview with ESPN's Nate Saunders, we have to thank our daddies of the pod, because this pod would not exist if it wasn't for our daddies. So we got to say thank you, Daddy, to Jason Craig, Kayla, Robin, Jordan Texera, Julia Kim, girlfriend of Mad Lad Daddy Henry, Jay Lingle, and Magnus Greaves. Thank you, daddies. And you can become a daddy of the pod if you just go over to patreon.com slash trfpod, where you can become a daddy of the pod. You get our $10 tier or a $5 tier to get two extra episodes a month, okay? And at the $10 tier, you get a, a weekly newsletter and a, and a monthly hangout. I mean, there's a lot of amazing stuff going on at patreon.com slash trfpod. But you know what? There's really amazing stuff going on right now on this feed. Now, on to the show. What's up, Bangas? Hello, Bangas. How is everybody doing? Are you doing okay? Are you doing good? You know, this feed can be lots of different things, Matthew. You know, last week we had Luca from Love Island on. We're talking about breakups. We're talking about Love Island. We're talking about, you know, all things pop culture. But today, right. Matt... Today we're journalists. Yeah, we are journalists. We are we are high profile people. We have an ESPN F1 editor on the podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure this is exactly what's happening. He's actually here to interview us for his feature that he's doing on us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. On ESPN. ES was it, ESPN, was it 10,000 words, been, I think it was? It was 10, yeah, they've been, they've, been, they've been hounding us. They've been hounding us. Can we please do a profile? Can we please do a profile? What you guys are doing is so innovative. You're the, you the new faces of Formula One. Can we please do a profile? And we're like, fine. And then, But you know what? Then he, then he hopped on the Zoom. Didn't realize he was British. Didn't yeah. realize he was British. And, and you know, I'm feeling really safe now. Uh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm confused, Nate, why ESPN, an American company, would hire a British guy to run <laughs> F1 are, are they are, is ESPN trying to get banned from the Red Bull paddock as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well hey guys great to be on first of all uh, I think it was a 20,000 word piece that was I was under that impression <laughs> oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so, but you, you have know, a deadline so I mean uh, you know, yeah just, right you can make it yeah <laughs> yeah um no I get that a lot and I think the name Nate does put people off as well because you know that is quite a, it's more of a common name to hear Nate so my full name's Nathaniel Mm -hmm. that's not often shortened down to Nate in England. We kind of, you know, we like to say posh full names like that. Yes. Whereas in America, you get Nate a lot more. Yes. So I think that when I do talk, I've actually been on Zoom calls before when I've started talking and I've seen the eyeballs kind of like <laughs> bulge out of people's faces. Like, oh, this guy's English. And in yes. America, it seems to go down really well. So, um, but no, I mean, um, our office is based in London um, mm -hmm. and, you know, our F1 operation traditionally has run out of there. But obviously now, we kind of have this great interest from America with the TV deal, et cetera. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more American voices hopefully coming on. Hopefully not at the expense of me, <laughs> but um, we'll see. I mean, time will tell, right? So, um, but no, I'm really excited to be on. I said to you guys just before we started, 
your my TikTok feed is inundated with both of you. So that, uh, it's really cool to be a on. compliment, but we'll take it. You're just <laughs> well, no, inundated. Show up a lot. Inundated. As, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm that did sound. I'm swarmed. Yeah, yeah, it did. I saw Luca Bish on there last time, and I just had the email invite to come on. I was like, I don't know if I can follow up a guy from Love Island <laughs> in terms of his chat, his looks. So nah, I'll try my no best. One can. No um, one can. But uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So are you? You're you're based in the UK. I am, yeah. So I live just outside of London, uh, and that's where that's where we're based out of. And to be honest, a bit like all of the teams, it makes a lot of sense for F1 because obviously, so much of like the teams are all around London. A lot of the races are in Europe, so that was traditionally kind of why it was based there. But give it five, ten years, and I think that's going to change a lot because you know America's kind of becoming the place for F1, as we'll talk about. That's right. Um, and I mean, I love coming. You know, I'm a huge NFL fan. I love American sports. So for me. It feels like it's you know it's a long time coming for this to be happening. But but, but why um, do so many British people hate that that we're getting involved? I don't know. Uh, honestly, I, I find it confusing, and I think um because I saw you, you guys would have seen that when Vegas was announced, right? Yes. Everyone was like, I can't yeah. believe they're going here. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of get it from the degree of you, you want to hold on to the classics like Spa and stuff like that. Yes. But what I always tell my friends who say that, I'm like, you know, American fans want that as well. They don't yeah. just want to. They don't just want twenty races in America. You know, they want to keep Spa. They want to keep these. You know, the, these kind of classic races. Um, but I've never understood it really. Um, and we have a lot of races on a very good time zone for us. You know, I saw one of my friends message me as like, I can't believe I'm gonna have to get up early to watch this. I said, <laughs> Welcome to the rest of the world. How they watch F1. You know, that's what they do. So I think it's just that. I think it's kind of you know, it's 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 a lot of people here still see it as a European sport. You know, it's obviously you know racing started in Europe and. The most champions have been from Britain. You've got, you know, all these European drivers that have always been in there. So I think it's just kind of it's heritage and tradition. And to be honest, Americans kind of haven't always featured in race in in, in Formula One racing, have they? It's always kind of been IndyCar, NASCAR. So I think there's kind of been, I would say, a bit of a snobbish kind of attitude to America's role in Formula One. So hopefully that's changing. Right. Um, yeah. well, and I mean, we're, we're feeling the, it with Andretti a little bit. Now. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's same as with the Vegas thing. The, the reaction I felt, if that had been like a French company or an English company, I don't think the reaction would have been the same um, as, as as how people reacted to that. Yeah. And it doesn't bother us that you have a Tom Brady jersey behind you. It doesn't bother us at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to get onto that. I, I can see it looming there behind me. In fact, I forgot. I kind of forgot I had it there until I turned on the, the Zoom. Um, I've actually, that's actually been laughed at. My So I'm a Buccaneers fan going back to 2006. <laughs> uh, because I played Madden. That was the only reason. And they had a pirate ship in their stadium. They had a running back called Cadillac Williams. Mm, and I used, love, I, I used to love that. I used to love that. And that's the first team I played with. And I was like, this guy's called Cadillac Williams. He seems great. Um, <laughs> and I thought, I, I, I did my research. I looked on, on Google. And I was like, the Buccaneers just won a Super Bowl like two years ago. That yeah. must mean they're great. I didn't mm. realize <laughs> their team basically fell apart after that. And they were basically doomed for like 10, 15 years of being very bad. Um, but a former F1 driver has laughed at this. So I interviewed Scott Speed years ago. I was doing a feature about the Red Bull program. And I just mentioned to him, obviously, for you know, people probably know the name Scott, one of the greatest F1 names ever, just yes. throwing it out there. Um, but when I told him he was I was a Buccaneers fan, he stopped the call for a second, called his wife over, and then put me on speaker and made me tell the story again because he found it so funny that an <laughs> English guy with this accent supported the Buccaneers, who at the time we're right. dreadful. This is before Brady. Is is uh, Madden like the drive to survive of football for people like abroad where they're like, oh my God, Michael Vick is so good in this game. I guess I'm a Falcons fan. 
Honestly, it is. It is because it's such a fun game to play. If, if, if especially if you're uninitiated to the, to, to the rules of NFL, yeah. you're kind of like, I don't understand this, but I just want to throw it downfield. Yeah, and you right, slowly right. pick up the rules of the game like that. So that was it for me. And I've got friends who are Packers fans and Cowboys fans and stuff yeah. like that. But and I was always kind of the old one out saying I'll support the Buccaneers. So it is kind of like that. I'd never, I'd never considered it, but that is kind of for us. That is the way in. Um, that a lot of people had my age. Stick to Formula One. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Stick, football fans. Stick to rugby. Yeah. Stick, to, stick rugby. to rugby. Okay. No more, no more international games in London. Stop that's... taking our sport away. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That's what Americans yeah, would we, be saying. We don't we send our rugby. best. We send uh, Jacksonville a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Saw... Yeah. That, that is true. We send you the dregs. <laughs> I saw Jacksonville v the Ravens a few years ago. Forget the year, but it was well, it was a. It was two backup quarterbacks. It was a dreadful game. Oh, you didn't even get game. Lamar? No, this was a few years before Lamar. So it yeah. was, I remember a Titan called Mercedes Lewis scored three touchdowns. I don't think he did anything ever again. Um, <laughs> uh, that's all I remember from the game. It was good well, fun. You... I remember thinking we'd been shortchanged a bit. You know, I was like, this isn't, this isn't the NFL I see on, on TV every so often. Well, you're a true, you're a true F1 fan because you keep gravitating towards these NFL players with um, car names. Because <laughs> you got Cadillac Williams, you got, we got, we yeah. got Mercedes Lewis. Well, you know what? Let you know. I want to get into speaking of Cadillac, speaking of America, speaking of these two, these two, these two worlds, the, the North America and Europe combining. What is going on with Cadillac and Dreddy Racing, the FIA, Mohammed Ben Salayam, and the, these team owners? I mean, this it's is a clusterfuck. We have a lot a to talk fuck. about. We do have a we, lot to talk about. We do um, a lot to unpack, as they say. And uh, yeah. to be honest with you, it's, I'd, I'd be fascinated to know what you know. You guys have made of it, watching it from the outside, because it feels like this is going to be the big storyline of the season. Because we've got this kind of—you'd mentioned it there—this kind of clusterfuck situation of F1 on one side with the teams kind of allied around them, and then the FIA increasingly. I don't know if you guys noticed last year, but a bit of tension. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was pretty obvious how how that was growing, wasn't it, through the year. Yeah. Um, and this seems to be like the where they where the battleground is going to be because the FIA wants an eleventh team. We heard those ten teams last year say, "Well, we don't think you're going to really bring anything to the table," which is interesting because how on earth do you quantify that before they're in in racing? And what are you expecting them to bring to the table? You know, it's it's you know it's it's very very much teams looking after their own self interests in one sense. So I think it's going to rumble on. And the FIA um, one of the reasons F one responded in the way they did or there's been a lukewarm reaction to it is f1 as they say have had a few teams show interest so they were almost trying to kind of not not push away the andretti cadillac entry but almost say like yeah this looks great but we have others you know right, and right, i think right. that's going to be the interesting thing is who are these others you know what's the money behind them um and i think basically what they're, what they're going to want is they're going to want the the most secure team to join you know a team that can compete fairly close to the top of that budget cap isn't in three years time going to be saying actually we're going to leave because we're you know we can't actually do this right so there's a lot going on but like you said it's just playing out in a really strange way um and i think the tweet that um ben Soleim put out was on the january the second so he, you know he'd obviously he'd obviously seen in the new year and thought right Let's just let's just light a tinder a fuse. <laughs> Twitter and fingers just, turn to trigger fingers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like throwing this grenade out and being like, okay. let's just see where this goes. So yeah. Yeah, no, uh, F1 is more like uh they're, they're treating it more like Love Island. They see all these bombshells. They they're telling their partners, like they want to get to know everyone in the villa. But I think yeah, I want to take a minute to so well, I, I don't know where to start first between the I want to 
there's two things I really want to talk about, which is the division between the FIA and F1 and the teams and how that works. And then there's also just, I want to talk about Mohammed bin Salayam. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners, like, because we come from the NFL and we come from the NBA where everything's sort of integrated. Like the people that make the rules are also the people that, you know, the, the commissioner, the person who is in charge of making the rules and, and, uh, judiciating or whatever the word governing the league is hired it works for the nf the nfl is it's all one entity right right and he works yeah. for the owners and he works for he's the hired owners. by the owners he's, he's yeah. all it's all right it's all integrated same thing with the nba and then you have the players association which is a union on the other hand but the, it's all much simpler and 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 yeah. here you have like the sports league or i guess marketing arm of formula one and then you have the regulatory body, which is a completely separate entity. And then you have these teams and it just, it seems very messy. And I was hoping you could help our listeners understand how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is one of the, one of the things that um, I've noticed a lot of fans when they come in have really been surprised about because effectively what you've got with F1 is it's a sport that doesn't make its own rules in the sense of it doesn't, it doesn't make the rules by which it's you know it, it is policed by so you know when when a driver forces another driver wide they're not seeing formula one stewards they're going to see fia stewards and then the F, f1 teams are kind of like okay well we disagree with how that's gone down so you effectively have this giant big organization the fia founded in france you know that was kind of the dawn of motor racing and formula one has you know become the kind of pinnacle event or pinnacle series there but is racing within the FIA so it's a bit like FIFA you know we just had the world cup in in soccer you've got FIFA as the governing body and those teams kind of all partake in a world cup that is run by them that's effect that's the closest comparison i can see the difference and that being works so well Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Famously works like clockwork and there's never any problems <laughs> or any controversies or any corruption or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so over time, you've had different power struggles. You know, I mean, there's a great documentary on Netflix about Mos Max Mosley, who was um, head of the FIA a long, long time ago. Uh -huh. um, and his kind of relationship with Bernie Eccleston, who used to be F1 boss, it kind of it would fluctuate. They'd be very good friends and they'd kind of fall out over issues. But between them, they kind of had this really kind of symbiotic relationship almost where they both understood that they had to coexist with each other to survive. Since then, things have changed quite a bit. We had Jean Tot, who kind of oversaw Mick, uh, Michael Schumacher's era at Ferrari when he dominated. He became president, you know, had a few, few terms in charge. And increasingly what you're seeing now that F1 is becoming so popular in its own right. I think that Liberty Media have come in, spent a lot of money to buy Formula One, which they did in 2017, 18? I forget now the year. Um, and I've very quickly realized, and and uh, I don't know whether you've banned talk of 2021 Abu Dhabi on this podcast, <laughs> but I think no, when they saw how that went at all. <laughs> I think when they, <laughs> but imagine, imagine if you had just bought a, a championship a few years before and you're looking at it and you're saying this is the most exciting championship we've had in years. It's probably going to go down mm -hmm. as the greatest season, in right. my opinion, that I've that I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, it might be the best ever. And it all comes down to a mistake. The, the, the championship is decided by a mistake by an employee who's not a Formula One employee. He's not he's not a referee like an NFL referee. He's not, you know, a, a, the World Cup referee who is represented by the World Cup. He is he works for a separate entity to Formula One. It's so crazy. Liberty Media. So that's kind of where I think 
it things have changed and under bernie he kind of knew he's like this is just the way things work you know and it was always the when eccleston for all of his faults and he's got plenty of those he was very smart in how he built formula one and how he kind of i think he let the fia get away with a lot or not even get away with a lot he put up with a lot from the fia and said that's fine because we have to you know the, the two of us have to exist together but Liberty why does formula in. one need the fia is my is i guess the question yeah, and that's I think that's a question that F1 teams are uh, increase, increasingly asking themselves now. And I think what was so fascinating about kind of the end of 2021 20, and the start of 22 was that Abu Dhabi went down. So it was a massive, massive mistake made by an FAA employee. Jean Tot then leaves his role and a new president comes in. And I think that this is almost a perfect storm of kind of, you know, of... If these two things had happened separately, I don't think it would have been as big an issue. But Ben Sulliam's come in and immediately has kind of, I think he's he's picked the wrong kind of fights. Like there was the jewelry stuff last year. Mm -hmm. He's now had this thing with, you know, saying you need written permission now if you want, um, if Protest. if you want to make any personal statements, yes. yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And you <laughs> there's talk the to award that... ceremony. Yes, exactly. He I mean, likes and... the spotlight. This guy, he, this ref, yeah. this 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 bureaucrat likes well, the spotlight. I think there's this 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 um, confusion, this uh, this thing that doesn't kind of quite quite add up to me, which is that like, you know, an FIA employee made this decision that mm. really kind of felt like it was almost an F one that it was a decision that almost that F one would want because and, and, and that with Michael it, it Massey ended with Michael Massey with yeah, the, yeah, it, yeah, it ended yeah. in this like kind of slutty exciting way that you would think that the governing <laughs> body would be the people being like no 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 we stick to the rules but instead it was the governing body being like no no let's make come on let's make this fun yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. at the same time there's this new thing where like now that the the, the FIA is like yeah bring in a new Let's bring in a new team. This sounds great. And F1 is saying, no, 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 we actually don't want this. And this is kind of like you Seems would like expect. like the roles are swapped. It seems like the roles are yeah. swapped, but the FIA should be the ones who are kind of like the the, the nerds the saying, no, 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 that actually isn't how things are yes. done. And F1 is yeah. like, no, let's bring in more teams. We want more revenue, all this stuff. Like I, this disconnect is, is it doesn't make sense. The only me. advantage to having an outside company uh an outside entity governing you is for objectivity because right. the, the problem with nfl or nba is is they're always going to go for the entertainment they're always going to mm. be leaning towards entertainment like with the superstar calls of lebron james or trey young or james harden because they, they, they that's because they're they, they're there because they know that that's, they're there that's, for the profit. That, they're there for the they're there for the entertainment side of yes, it. You would expect that the yeah. FIA are like the, like the like at the Oscars when they hire the accounting firm. Yes, to <laughs> not fuck up the fucking La La Land, which never <laughs> yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly. Which never happened. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. where is the power with the F? Why does FIA yeah, what's have the all this struggle? Power? What's this power struggle? Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, and sorry, sorry if I'm not answering the um the questions properly because I think I'm as confused about it as I've ever been now <laughs> yeah. looking at it as a journalist, you know. And I sure. think that this is the interesting thing is that I think the main question that's going through everyone's uh, everyone's heads now is 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 exactly what you asked is why does F1 need the FIA? Yeah. And I think that you know Stefano Domenicali's come in and he's got so many ideas he wants to do. You know, one of the one of the really interesting battlegrounds at the moment is sprint races. You know, mm -hmm. Formula One is like we want these sprint races. The FIA are like well, you know. And it's like, how many are we going to have? We're going to have three. We're going to have five. Behind the scenes, there's so much. There's a tug of war going on there because ultimately that comes down to what the FIA wants to do. You know, the FIA is making these rules. You know, they ultimately they're the ones who ratify the engine rules, et cetera. And I think Formula One has got to the point where it says we could exist on our own if we needed to. Yeah. We would be fine. The money's here. And like you say, 
in in NFL, there's no gray area there. And I think if Formula One, let's, I'm not saying they are going to break away, but that is the end point if they were to fall out. And that is one very, very dramatic path they could go down. I think the question would increasingly be, can F1 survive on its own without this? And I think that the, 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 the biggest thing that Formula One what probably is looking this, at the though? teams. What is this? Sorry, I don't sorry, this, understand what yeah, FIA yeah. does other than be the be the be the hall monitors. That's effectively what they are. You know, it's it's hall monitors, it's reg it's it's overseeing regulations. It's I suppose one of the big things they do is they homologate all the cars together. So Formula Two, Formula Three cars, there are you know massive regulations around what they've what those have to look like. Right. There's obviously the super license system, which has obviously been criticized, but that was kind of brought in because uh, series like F1 was saying there's too many pay drivers coming in. Right. So it was, you know, brought in to be like, well, let's get them a bit more experienced. So but, there's a whole infrastructure of human beings that are sort of doing all there's this loads. Work. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then it also seems to be my understanding that um, the Formula One like leases the championship. Like there basically. is, there, yeah. there is, FIA actually owns the championship. Absolutely. And that's why Max, Max doesn't get his championship until that gala event. If it was a Formula One championship, he would win it and formula one would say i've spoken to people at formula one you know you know in in different departments and they say one of the biggest frustrations they have obviously the a great moment in the super bowl the world cup is right. the winner wins wins the match yeah they 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 hold the trophy aloft max won it in japan eventually when we worked out he'd won it <laughs> and then and then and then instead of getting again, a trophy he was forced to sit in an awkward chair <laughs> yeah and, but again that rule that that was what was fascinating about that as well is that the FAA felt like they'd clarified that well enough and then F1 were like, well, hang on, you guys are telling us he's not champ. We think he is. And then the FIA came out and they said to us and they said to Formula One, it's like, no, you guys just didn't read the rules properly. And so, like, well, I'm sorry, but we didn't, you know, the, the assumption was that this would be communicated better. So that was a great example as well. And so Max waits four or five races, whatever it is, to get his championship at an FIA event, which again, I think has become a bit of a battleground in terms of the FIA wanting to kind of stamp its authority and say we still own you you know we still own this championship um yeah, increasingly we teams are frustrated ceremony where mohammed bin salam is going to get drunk and treat it like the <laughs> michael scott's dundies but <laughs> the dundies but... is a great comparison because that's <laughs> what was... i felt watching it yeah and when he, <laughs> that whole thing with horner on stage was just i mean it was hilarious but it was so painful and domenicali's there you know like i've got to stop this this is <laughs> yeah he's like trying to jump in at the right moment and it was quite a good metaphor for what's going on at the moment, I think. But it speaks to like a, it, like if, if that's a underlying tension, if this is like the subtext of what's of these interactions is kind of this growing tension of maybe like the Christian Horners of the world being like, we don't I actually don't need to fucking listen to you. <laughs> like, I actually don't need you anymore. So on some level to me, I'm like thinking dramatically about this. If I'm like writing a script or this thing's happening, like the, the underlying growing tension of this thing is this feeling of like, the 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 teams being like we actually don't fucking need you like f1 being like we don't need you anymore and then him yep. getting drunk and embarrassing him to try to like power like be like no 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 no, no. like i'm still top dog here like you're still you're still beneath me if, if, if you watch the nba you watch the nfl soccer it's like all about the stars nobody cares mm. about the fucking referee the referee <laughs> yeah. unless it's wwe and the referee comes if, unless we're talking about wwe <laughs> and he takes out a chair and he hits somebody which, is which would be entertaining honestly yeah. What happened in Abu Dhabi was Michael Massey became the special referee. Yeah, but, so that's Michael uh, Massey's music playing suddenly out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so and then and then of course he he creates more hot water with the. Um, so I want to talk quickly about the political statements. Yes, because you know it's just like 
he's just cre- he's just writing these edicts like he's this king. He's like, okay, I'm like, well, doesn't Formula One want to weigh in on? Doesn't Formula One have a probably an opinion? Are they working hand in glove on a, on a statement of like, hey, the FIA is saying that Formula One drivers can't make political statements without you know prior authorization. I don't think we're going to hear hear about that until we see the car launches and testing for the simple reason that I don't know if F1 teams know how serious the FIA is about what exactly you get for breaking that rule. So is it a slap on the wrist? Is it is it kind of a cursory, hey, look, Lewis, if you're going to wear a pride helmet, please let us know and we'll say that's fine. We just want to know so we're not surprised. Or is it them saying a bit like FIFA did with the England team and a few other teams, no, you can't you can't wear that because it's got, you know, it's got the pride flag on it. And if you wear it, you can get booked before before you even take the field. Like how draconian is it? And I think that the teams are trying to work that out. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, I think that they will turn around and say, "Well, we don't think that's right." And again, this comes down to who makes the rules. It's still FAA. It's still the F one Championship, but okay. the FIA ultimately is the one that can can hand that down. And again, with, when it comes to sporting and um, it comes to sporting penalties in terms of you know, are you going to Docker driver, 10 points, 15 points. Is that a grid yeah. penalty whatever? Those aren't F1 penalties. Those are FIA penalties given to F1 drivers. Okay. So again, this is where it it's kind of becomes almost like a little civil war kind of thing where F1, is, as, as good as it is, as popular as it's become, it isn't as powerful as you might think. And I think that that is going to become a bigger and bigger issue as we get into this season, next season. And just sorry to to keep waffling on about this, but that's why the Bernie the Bernie Mosley thing was so important because those two guys got on so well together. You know, they worked together for about thirty years, and there was an understanding between them that, like, look, let's help each other out here. Yeah, but th- that doesn't exist now. That goodwill doesn't really exist. And Ben Suliam as well. Like one of the things he does that's hilarious behind the scenes, he always brings up the fact that he's like a fifteen time Middle Eastern Rally champion, and a lot of the guys there are like. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you're, you're talking to like Christian Horner or Toto Wolf who have won multiple Formula One championships. And then right. this guy's coming in, you know, with Jean Tart, he could say, look, you, his record spoke for itself. It was this guy's come in. And I think there's a bit more of a kind of, okay, who are you? And why well, are you let's, being let's so Let's get into who like he this? is. He won a bunch yeah. of Middle Eastern rallies, uh, according, you know, it, and he likes to remind us of that. I looked him up on Wikipedia. There's not a lot to him other than he was like, he's a motorsport enthusiast and he yep. owns 20 hyper, he owns like all these hyper cars. He collects them, which, which, which is just a fancy word for like, you're rich and you buy them. So <laughs> yeah, like yeah, they're exactly. not like butterflies. He doesn't, he doesn't, he, goes... he doesn't find them. <laughs> yes. them. Like they're just, he's like, Oh, there was another hyper car at the end of my like, garden. I'm if you give me a billion dollars, yeah. I can collect them too. So this is a Pokemon. This is a Pokemon go. I hate that for you. Buy hypercars. Right. Um, right, right. So he's a fucking rich guy. So I'm yeah. sorry, but I see an Emirati bajillionaire running this sport and I can't help, but, you know, kind of ruling with an iron fist, uh, you know, cracking down on sort of political speech. And I can't help but draw a direct parallel to the to FIFA. Am I wrong? No, I think FIFA is a great comparison. And look how Infantino, the president of FIFA, conducted himself around the World Cup. I mean, he had that insane speech beforehand, you know, where he said, I'm African, I'm I'm a migrant worker. I don't know if you say, yeah, like, which was just you. when I first read that, I was like, this is clearly somebody, you know, making a joke on Twitter. He hasn't actually said this. And you realize, <laughs> oh my God, he actually did. Um, but that's kind of where you're at. You've got this guy who I think has got this inflated sense of sense of um, importance. He's got a very important role, but I think that 
having a powerful role and having authority are very different things, aren't they? You can yeah. have all the power in the world. If people don't respect the power that you have, then your power doesn't really mean a lot. And I think that's kind of where his problem is because he doesn't seem like an F1 man. And so his initials, we, we in, in shorthand terms, will say, let's say I've got a WhatsApp chat with a few journalists who I sit with. I'll be like, who's the, who's going to the MBS session? Oh Jesus. You a call few, MBS. Yeah. Which is, which is unfortunate as well, because <laughs> yeah. obviously, but it's just, it's just the quick, the shorthand. And we noticed that we're like, we've got to stop saying that. So yeah. somebody said, let's just call him must be seen because he always gets himself. It's like, he he's like, he must be seen in every environment. You know, there's a, there's a photo shoot. There's a new initiative. Ben Soliem's there, you know, in the background, and he's like, I want to take ownership of this from the FIA. And I think that's become quite noticeable now. You know, people have said, this guy turns up for a race weekend. Um, we see him on Sunday. You know, he'll walk to the front of the grid. Um, and a lot of people will say he gets his photo opportunity and then he leaves. And I think you notice that more and more now. So, and again, you know, he he has the right to be there as the, you know, the the guy leading the, the governing sure. body. But if you keep doing that and people are wondering what you're doing there, I think it erodes your authority quite a bit. So, um, so yeah. How is he hot? Like who, what's the hiring process yeah. for him? Yes. Like, how did he get into this position? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Well, and that's kind of murky as well. So it's always, <laughs> it's always, it's always an election, but the, the, the amount of times they're uncontested elections is amazing. You know, Jean Tot, you know, I, if, I, if I remember correctly, he had one where somebody stood against him and then two where miraculously no one stood against him. And it was kind of, yeah, that's not really an election then, is it? That's kind of just a, that's just a, I'm, st- you know, I'm staying a bit like DiCaprio in that film where he's like, you know, yeah. I'm staying around. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> I'm not going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so, fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I think that the, the thing with, the thing with um, FIFA, sadly, is a really good comparison because, there's so many kind of lifers at FIFA, people that have worked for the company for a long, long time, worked for that governing body for ages. You know, they're doing favors. You know, they're, they're making sure that they're, they, they stay in people's good graces. So when a vacancy comes up, it's like, well, the, the guy I'm voting for is Ben Sulliam. So that's where that's come from. He's not, he's not, you know, had some genius idea. He's not, you know, he didn't pioneer Halo. He didn't, it's not like he, he said, here's what I did before. So vote for me on the back of that. He's just been at FIFA. He's just been there for a long time and Nate, has kind of garnered favor for that reason. Fuck he's a company you. You know man. How many, you know how many Middle East rallies he's won? Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. If, it, if he'd won 16 championships, I'd, I'd give the guy the respect, but it's only 15. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. So, so I'm still a bit like within the protesting stuff, it, it, it just, I, I'm still having trouble being like, what's the vested interest in the FIA? for these various things in terms of like the pro like it just seems like what the fia is most interested in is profit does the fia benefit greatly from from them doing races in like these various kind of controversial places where they're getting paid seemingly shit tons of money and like aramco deals like is the fia getting that money is is that what's do they have a financial stake to gain from all this stuff yeah, I think it all. It, I mean, that money ultimately is going into is going into different pots. You know, there's the FIA is getting that money, and then some goes back to the team, some's going back to the championship. You know, there's prize money then at the end of that. Right. Um, and if you notice, when it comes to the um, the Middle Eastern races, and Vegas had the same thing. A lot of these, a lot of the European races will get a two year contract extension, a three year contract extension. Bahrain, uh, Saudi, um, Qatar when they sign deals it's 10 years 15 years because right. they have so much money that they can throw at these these things and if you're monaco a lot of people want monaco to stay some people aren't so bothered about it but races like monaco and spa they at the moment the, 
F1 and the FIA look at those races and they say, there's no way they can guarantee they'll still be here, you know, still be able to produce this money in five years from now. There's no doubt about that with Qatar, with Bahrain, etc. So suddenly you get a situation exactly what FIFA had with Qatar at the World Cup, where these guys have paid all this money for this event and they would rather not have the Pride logo everywhere all over right. their product. Suddenly it becomes, for the FIA, it becomes, well, these are the guys paying the money. These are the guys who are kind of pushing this champion. They're, and they can go to the teams as well and they can say, look, these guys, if these guys move away, the prize fund might go down. You know, the, if 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 this money stops being here, we we can't command the same kind of money from a Vegas, from a, from a, from a South Africa, et cetera. So I think that that's where it becomes difficult for F1 teams because they look at it, and, and as we said with Andretti, there's this kind of vested interest of, at the end of the day, they're being paid money to compete in Formula 1. And the less money that's around, the less, especially for some of those smaller teams, the less money they're going to be making. So truth it gets is, very complicated. The tr I mean, the truth is, is like when you get into bed with um, certain countries that have a political agenda, then you sort of, and you take that money, then you sort of are kind of forfeiting maybe your right at speaking yeah. freely because i mean is that sort of what we're getting down to is i mean i'm not like if i was must be seen's um <laughs> defender and i'm not but if i was him i'd say look you you know we've decided to race in these places that are you know that that that, that don't <laughs> fuck with some of these things that you're talking about yeah right. so if we decide to take their money we can't go into their country and say x y and z so that's just the you that's the deal that we made. And and Saudi last year was a great example. Remember when there was that and, and it wasn't it wasn't um a protest, but it was obviously that missile attack right. just yeah, down the road right. from the facility. Right. Right. Now yes. in, in in any other world, in any other scenario, they would have said, Right, look, let's go home. Right. <laughs> let's not race here. Yeah. Because we just don't know, you know, this is a volatile situation. We don't know what's going on. You know, it was clear from the reporting that we we did, and that you know the, the news that came out after that the drivers weren't happy. You were there. there. Were you there? I wasn't there. My my colleague was there. Okay. And dr drivers were telling him, team bosses were telling him, like, we want to be on the next flight out of here. Right. But how many of the drivers? Was, what percentage of the drivers would you say? I think it was over half of them, and wow. that that that's of the ones we spoke to. There wasn't an appetite. You know, a lot of them are saying like, look, you know, this isn't. It's not like we've come all this way for a once in a lifetime race. Like this is going to be here next year. Right. But right, right now. They cancel for rain. Why wouldn't they cancel? Yeah, for yeah, right. And and, and <laughs> the, the the fascinating thing with that, and I think it showed you where the power now is going to be in Formula One, was there was never a suggestion from F one that race was was not going ahead. They were like, no, no, of course we're going ahead. And if it had been a right. race not paying that same money, I don't think that would have happened in a million years. And like you, and and let's compare that to to Belgium Spa. when that when that got yeah. when that got they rained screwed off. everybody. And that nearly, that, you know, that had a big impact in the Lewis v Max fight, didn't it? Because right. they had half points and, yeah. you know, uh, it could have, you know, it, I'm not saying it did impact the championship, but, you know, one of those guys could have won that race, the other could have not finished, whatever. But that was that was a no-brainer. They were like, well, we can't reschedule it to Monday. So, you know, yeah. we, we're, just, we're just done. Like, we and can't all those people Whereas, lost their money. Yeah, and it, it, it's difficult to compare. Like, I, I hate whataboutism, and, you know, that's kind of a loose comparison, but it just shows you that the... The, the first thought there was, well, don't worry about the fans. We'll, we'll, we'll let we'll let Spa refund that, and then Spa were like, I think it's F one. F one were like, well, maybe it's the FIA should refund you. The FIA were like, well, maybe it's Spa that should. But when it came to Saudi, it was like, no, we have to have this race because there's so much money involved here. You know, it's it's a big event for them. We've moved them to the top end of the calendar to kind of, you know, move them away from from um, Abu Dhabi because there was so, it was Abu Dhabi, Qatar, and Saudi in close proximity last year. So they said, let's 
you know space us out a bit more just faster for travel yeah exactly so it kind of kind of showed you you know when 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 the chips are down money ultimately i mean lewis said it didn't he just before covid he said cash is king and i think that sadly that's not just an f1 thing that's kind of becoming a thing across sports sadly um but i think we're seeing it more and more especially with these middle eastern races and hopefully lewis kind of looks at that rule that they've brought in and just says look I'm not respecting this. He kind of did the same with the jewelry thing, didn't he? He was very much right. like, okay, look, I mean, I can cover this up, but I'm not going to, I can't take this out just in a day because you want me to this, you know, this, the, the ear study had. Right. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but the, 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 the reference that he had a, another piercing yeah, yeah. Uh, seemed, seemed to just be, you know, almost kind of embarrass the FIA because as far as I'm aware, he doesn't, not that I've seen, not that I've seen <laughs> proof or anything, but the, the, the suggestion in the, in the paddock is that, that, you know, he did just have the one, but he kept bringing this other one up because it became awkward for people to talk to him about it. They were like, right, okay, right. so he's saying, he's take... saying, he's saying, Hey, the FIA wants, you want to look at my cock? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, how far are you, how yeah. far are you going to go with this? Like, right. Yeah. Right. Really right, right. Like, yeah, I, he's yeah, like yeah. I'm a seven time world champion and you want, you really want to, you really want to go here. Like, is this how petty you're going to get? But so hopefully he does similar with this um this rule uh, and not just him i mean i hope you know because i think you get to this territory of when lebron was told shut up and dribble don't you a right, few right, years yeah, ago yeah, yeah yeah and in that instance what was interesting was the nba came out and because that was made if i'm not mistaken was made on a news show wasn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 NBA, yeah. it was yeah. a f- woman on fox news that's right and then the NBA came out and said, "No, we support LeBron's right, right. to talk." So that is a really interesting unless, comparison. Unless it's about here. China, unless it's about right. China. Well, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, that, it's, China's it, where the money is. It speaks exactly. to that. Yes. It, it speaks to that same thing. But the, what the NBA and what some of the like what the NBA has done that I think other you know like even in the, in America has been so effective is they've kind of stood with their players for for certain various things. But there was a line that was drawn when like it yeah. came to and China. Again, and again, kind of money, yeah. Over, of course, kind of supersedes everything else. So, I don't know. It's it's kind of sad to see that happening across sports. But I think sadly now, as a fan, you kind of have to look at it and you almost have to stomach it, which is awful. But you just kind of have to be like, well, the, you know, the the power and the money is so big now. It's guiding all these decisions in a way that it wasn't ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Does the FIA kind of give a shit about the other things that it governs or is, is F1 now become <laughs> like, like <laughs> well, I mean, it's like they govern so much. There's so many racing, racing leagues that, that is under the umbrella of the FIA, but it seems like are any of them bringing in even like a, a, a hundredth, a thousandth of what, of, of what F1 brings in. Oh, in terms of money, no, but actually yeah. to, to the FAA's credit, they they do look after a lot and they, from from what I can tell, they look after it in a pretty good way. You know, they look after a lot of rallying championships and to the, you know, what they've been great at is spearheading, you know, the FAA were the ones who kind of pushed for the halo to come in. They mm. said, this is, this is mandatory. We're not, we're not discussing this. This is coming in. So in terms of safety, they have a really kind of, they have a really good um, kind of motivation and mindset on that. So I don't just want to, I don't want people yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to this thinking I'm just kind of dumping all over the FAA, but that comes from that. But that's kind of what you would expect a governing body to do, isn't it? Take that kind of that bigger role of looking at safety and looking at the junior categories and saying, this is kind of what we, this is kind of what we do. We'll leave you guys to it. Whereas actually what they're doing is they're being quite micromanaging when it comes to Formula One on top of all those other things they're doing. So right. you could almost argue that if you're Formula One, you're thinking these guys are kind of overstepping the mark a little bit, yeah. despite the fact that they clearly do some good stuff behind the scenes. Are they infringing a, a bit too much into what Formula One kind of wants to be doing? But then um, is, is Formula One getting off a little bit too easily off the off the hook with this thing? Because it's, it's not like, I, it, it, you know, it's not like 
the FIA is like, you have to, we have to race in Qatar and, and formula one's yeah. like, no, we don't want that <laughs> yeah. 10 year deal for a hundred and fifty yes. million. You know, it's like, it's like they're in there as this well. This political they're... speech thing is a, is a result of where they've chosen to race. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's Aston Martin, isn't it? Who have, you know, the Aramco sponsorship, which yep. is so tied right. in with Saudi. So you're right. I mean, this is, you can't bite the hand that feeds you ultimately. Right. And so increasingly, um, the more you kind of go down this route, the harder it is to kind of do a 180 and say, actually, we don't want to do this. And I, I always feel, I feel for the drivers, to be honest, because, you know, a lot of the time they say, well, if they don't want to race, that they shouldn't race. It's like, well, it's not that simple. You know, those guys have a contract to race for their team for 24 races a year. You know, if, if Lewis just turned around and said, I'm not racing at this race, I'm pretty sure Mercedes would say, okay, well, we think you've breached your contract there. You right. know, we could probably let you go. So, you know, drivers probably could make more of a stand about it, but really, I don't know if they have the power in that situation. I think you're right. The power comes from the people making decisions at the FAA, but also there's some influential people, you know, in F1 as well, team bosses, Stefano Domenicali, et cetera. The FIA happen. doesn't book the races, do they? Well, no, it's this is one of those things. So the, the discussions will, will be with Stefano Domenicali. Uh, right. the head of f1 right. um but he's still the calendar still gets ratified by the fia so it's it's almost like so over here in england we have the, we have our parliament but we also have the house of lords next to it yeah. which is basically where all the laws go to get ratified yeah. and they very rarely will reject something outright but it still goes there to be looked at to be fine-tuned sometimes they'll send it back and say you need to reword this this isn't extensive enough etc and it goes back to them again um and so that's a loose comparison, but I think that's what the FIA does when it comes to picking venues. F1 will say, here's why we want to race here. The FIA will say, how much money are they bringing in? Wh you know, why is this better than these options here that you've got? Where is it going to go in the calendar? Because we need to ratify this calendar. You know, we, The FIA will release that calendar and say, here it is. Um, so it kind of, again, it that's why it is confusing to people because you look at it and there's kind of two steps to it. It's like a two-stamp system. And, and in, there's in, the teams, in, right? Stefano yeah. Domenicali doesn't work for the teams like Roger Goodell works for the NFL teams. No, right, exactly. Um, I mean, they all sign up for the Concord Agreement, which is what binds them to the sport for, mm -hmm. I think, until on this occasion, I think it's until 26. Um, but that is always that's always kind of what's put to the teams is like, if you didn't like this, you know, you sign the Concord agreement, which says here are the terms to compete. Here's the money. Here's how the TV revenue is going to go. Um, so they don't work for Domenicali, but they kind of work under a, a terms of a term of um, a, a contract that they have effectively written out and signed. So it, again, it, it, there's almost that there. They couldn't just turn up one day and say, we don't want to do this anymore because they'd turn around and say, well, unless I'm mistaken, this is your contract. So right. your name on this contract here that you've that you've bound yourself and your team to until the end of it. It just seems like if I'm a billionaire, I'd much rather have an NFL team, an NBA team, a Premier League team than an F1 team because I don't have the same control over things. And it's so expensive to get involved right. in F1. I mean, Total Wolf last year said something like it'll cost you a billion dollars just to just to establish yourself in formula 1 obviously there's the, there's the budget cap but you need you need facilities you need yeah. you know you, know, you mm -hmm. need to all of those things you need to do just before you even get to racing there's right. so much there and it, he might you know that that number may have been inflated because Toto was trying to put off yeah mm -hmm. somebody like andretti coming in <laughs> so you have to take it with a pinch of salt but i think i don't think that is it's not like it's wildly wrong that figure if it is if it is slightly inaccurate it's probably a good ballpark figure because it's such an expensive venture and that's why the 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 involvement of of General Motors of Cadillac is interesting because the question is how much are they going to actually put into that? 
Yeah, well, it's easier to say like with an NBA team or an NFL team, like, okay, we add this team in Seattle or we add this team in Montreal or we add, you know, how big is the city? How big is the fan base? Like you can actually quantify yeah. the value. Like everyone's like, of course Seattle should have a team. Seattle's huge. They would bring in a lot of money, bring in a lot of attention. That would right. that would be a net gain. That's worth diluting the pool. But it's kind of hard to say what, Andretti and Cadillac, like how big the fan base of those of right. that race team and those cars yeah. are. I mean, hat is there any team that would be that you could easily say, okay, that's a net positive? Is it maybe Porsche? I know people are obsessed with Porsche. Yeah, I think this 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 whole discussion about teams is interesting. So what one one thing I debate with um my colleague at ESPN, Lawrence Edmondson, but also a few others, is if Ferrari was to quit Formula One. I know that would be it'd obviously be a sad day, but oh wow, Ferrari's <laughs> left. But some people suggest if Ferrari left, that you know, Formula One would cease to be, fans would leave, you know, in drones. And I don't think that's true. I think that a lot of people would be very, very disappointed Ferrari had left. I would be. I grew up as a Ferrari fan. But when the first race of the year came around, I think I'd be like, all right, well, there's still a Formula One race on. I want yeah. to see who the best team is. Yeah. And I think that's where it becomes that's why the Netflix ex- experiment has been so interesting from that perspective is because i think what people have been drawn to is the people not the not the brands not the not the cars right Right. and so that i don't think andretti joining you're you're absolutely right matt you know it's not it's not like suddenly all these people who are like never f1ers were like now i'm coming into now i'm coming in because andretti's there and i'm just a big i'm just a big stand for the andretti family I it's own kind of an like... Escalade, so I'm going to watch. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's also Cadillac. Cadillac's a kind of a bizarre choice because yeah. it's not, they've never been, I've never been like, oh, Cadillac, that, that's a fast car. Yeah. Cadillac is right. luxury. It's it's yeah. luxury. It's it's yeah. comfort. Yeah, it's comfort. And like, because the thing with, to, to, to go back to the Ferrari example is an interesting one because as, as much as it's a great brand, it's not like you wake up and think, I can definitely own a Ferrari. I'm, I watch Formula One. <laughs> And then I think, you know what I'm going to do today is I'm going to buy that Ferrari I've always They won't let you. Because, yeah, well, that's, that's it as well. Um, but it, so I don't know. And it's it, Ferrari hasn't been winning championships for so long and viewership's yeah. gone up. It's not like they've right. been doing badly and it's gone down. So I think that the argument about what Andretti and Cadillac can bring, I think actually the ar- argument in terms of, I don't think it's so much fan bases. I think it's, I think it's sponsorship. I think it's money. I think it's awareness. You have Cadillac's coming in, suddenly you have... I mean, not that Formula One's struggling right now for sponsorship, but you bring in you you bring in General Motors, and suddenly you've got that entire that entire company is now like so much of our focus marketing energies is going towards promoting what we have there. You know, we want to bring businesses in who their their partners are suddenly interested in you know in working in F one. Their new partners are suddenly like, hey, this is great now. So it almost makes it makes General Motors, it makes Andretti very very much but, more. But we're I don't know whether it makes Formula One massively more valuable if but i'm honest with you. but Toto, right, right, right. but they're saying like they're saying and it's funny with it but nobody it's like that meme where it's like nothing uh uh muhammad bin salam like it's like nobody says anything and then he's like well actually yeah he was like yeah well i don't understand why they're getting so much pushback and oh yeah it's like nobody I, said anything publicly yeah, anyway I, and i've been getting there's been sort of like thoughts that that cadillac might just be like a 
like um the label they might just be labeled Cadillac the badge. like yeah like, yeah like right. um Alpha like Sauber was labeled Alfa Romeo and Alfa Romeo doesn't supply them engines they don't do shit for them other than right and and so... and no fan no fan is tuning in and being like man the only reason I watch this is because I can see that Alfa Romeo logo lap after lap They'll right probably... right right. A lot of people probably think, oh, that's great that Alpha's in. That's pretty cool. I, you know, I, I know Alpha. You know, I, right. I recognize them. But I don't think it's drawing you in in the same way that, you know, you watch Netflix and you see, you know, you're like, man, that Charlotte Clerk, I want to root for that guy or that yeah, Carlos yeah, yeah. Sainz or Yuki Sonoda. Like, I want to know what he's doing. Nick DeVries' six-pack is going to bring a lot more fans in than fucking Cadillac. No, but I, I, will say, I will say that having, like, seeing Ferrari, seeing, you know, Mercedes, right. seeing these, it adds legitimacy to the sport. 100%. Uh, it, yeah, it, you're it was right. all Williams and Haas. You'd be like, what the fuck am I even looking at? Uh, to to right. a new fan. But I will say, so, so to that, to that, to that effect, because I know that I think a lot of the criticism is like, will this be a works team or a factory team, or will this be just a like a badge team like uh, like Alfa yep. Romeo? And my question is, who, fr- from a from a from a from a viewership money perspective, who gives a shit whether Cadillac supplies an engine or not? Uh, they don't they just care about the. Br- I don't get why people are getting hung up. Like, well, will Cadillac supply an engine? <laughs> yeah, because that's more something that people at board level should be worried about. Like F1 should be having that conversation. But for fans, I don't think it makes a massive amount of difference. The only way it makes a difference is if is if it is just a badge, if it is just Cadillac saying we're paying you X amount of money and you can, you know, you can run our name on the car, then Andretti has to find, you know, it has to find a proper manufacturer, you know, it has to find right, supply right. in a different way. And then you're talking about the health of A, that team, but B. Right the grid as well. So I think that's why that's important. But for a lot of, I think a lot of fans are using that as an, ex, as an excuse. It's like you say, it doesn't really affect your viewing experience on a Sunday, but I think what it does do is it raises questions about the, the legitimacy of their, of their bid. I think a few years back. So between 2010 and 2016, it was pretty common to have the, whoever was finishing 10th or 9th. Well, actually back then, you know, it was kind of 12th, 11th. Yeah. You would always hear stories of, Hey, these guys are about, you know, they might make the next race, maybe two, and then they're done. You know, they were, right, they, right. were they were, they were, they were surviving race to, mouth, to race. Yeah. And yeah, and it wasn't healthy at all because you basically, you know, you had all these teams competing against each other and yet the the team at the back was barely able to survive. That's, you know, th- th- there's a lot of reasons that led to the, the cost cap, but that was, that was one of them. It was like, you know, we need to kind of stop this imbalance. So I think that the, the biggest question around the, the badging of Cadillac is around that is, is this, is this entry going to come in? Is it going to support itself? And if Cadillac comes in as an engine supplier, that's incredibly good for formula one, because suddenly, you know, Mercedes currently has a lot of en- teams it supplies yeah. to mm. one of those. Does one of those go to Cadillac? Not only does it kind of limit the political power of Mercedes, but it means yeah. that you've got two, you've, instead of one, you know, uh, Mercedes supplying four teams, it now supplies obviously its own team and one other team, two other teams. A team like Williams can be like, well, we're now the second engine kind of um, uh, recipient, rather than hey, we're you know we're one of four, we're one right. of two, and from a Williams perspective, you might look at that and say, well, that's actually much better for us. You know, we get mm. you know, so it, it it gets very it gets complicated the more you pull up the string of it. But basically, I think I think that's what's going to make or break the Andretti mm. bid is actually whether Cadillac is willing to come all in. Or is it actually kind of just being like, we want to be on the car, but you know, you you guys work the rest out. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure that I don't think the Formula One teams think that the Andretti operation has the money or the resources to pull that off um, mm. on their own, if that makes sense. So I think that's where the I think currently that's where the kind of the impasse is. 
I mean, I think that that, that as a as a fan, I think that that it, it is interesting to me too because, like, I mean, there's some level when you look at like, oh, well, Mercedes just gives you know supplies engines for Williams and for Aston Martin and these various places where I'm like, oh, well, it, it just feels like there's three engines. There's basically like three engines on the grid. Yeah. Um, and you know, or four, I guess, you Renault and 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 um, Honda as well. But I think that that would add, as a fan, being like, oh, there, that's the that Cadillac engine is like on that on another level, or like that engine that Andretti is making is on another level. Make I mean, for I a mean, healthier sport. I guess it makes it more yeah. competitive yeah. as well. You know, you've yeah. got instead of instead of it being like, oh, you know, the this track really suits the Mercedes. I mean, it's not so pronounced now, but at the beginning right. of the, the the V6s, you would literally have races where it's like, well, the top eight teams are Mercedes. You know, then it's the yeah, you know, then, yeah. it's, then it's the the Renault teams, and then you know Ferrari might be believe that it's not as bad as that now. But when there's only three, you're right. It's it's more difficult to kind of have that difference and have more teams competing for different things. So I mean, are they we... just using this Andretti thing as an? Ex- I mean, do, are they really? Are, is there any team that they would be like, yes, fuck yeah, I want to I want to split my 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 prize money with these guys, or are they just going to make excuses for any fucking team? I think. Because- I th- I think they'd make excuses at, at this point because yeah. there's no there's no obvious like hey like yeah if they came in you know like I mean I was trying to think this the other day I was like you know let's say let's say Elon Musk turned around tomorrow and said I want to buy an F1 team yeah. I wanna, you know I want to put Tesla on let's say you know obviously right. a completely ridiculous idea but let's just say he's like I, I mean put more that. ridiculous yeah, things yeah, have yeah. happened with him <laughs> I think that he right, could figure yeah. I, he's I think he's he put, figure something he's, out yeah yeah he's yeah. put shit <laughs> in <laughs> space he's bought uh, yeah. Twitter so. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to the mind be... of Elon Musk. And, yeah, and he put a, he put reasonable. a Twitter poll. Should I make an F1 team? And based off the Twitter poll, he'll just do it. So yeah, that's right. kind of his vibe. And I, I was thinking, like, even in that situation, would F1 turn around and say, yeah, no, definitely. Because, yeah, he's bringing money in, but what's the is his project valid? And also, just because he's coming in with a big, fancy new team, those teams still have to, especially Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, you know, they still have to go to the people that run those teams and say, right, we're going to get less money next year. And it's expensive. For, you know, as we saw with Red Bull, they were operating right on the cusp of that budget cap. You know, the teams are going to be close to it again this year. You're suddenly saying you're getting less money in. And, you know, we're, we're in the economic environment that we are in right now as well it becomes a really difficult sell. So I don't think there is a team that teams would say. Yeah, but no, all sad. their criticisms about Andretti, you know, a Tesla team would not have, right. It would have the money. It would probably have the infrastructure. Yeah, it would probably. have the, so like they, they wouldn't be able to make any of those. It's just, they don't want an 11th team. They don't want to share the money. Pro- it's probably just a cynical ploy to just, there is an 11th team that they would want. Yeah. It seems like that at the moment. And I'm, I'm wondering what, uh, Formula One for so many years has been about compromise and about finding, you know, these guys want this, we want this, so let's find the middle ground. Again, Bernie was so good at doing that. You know, he would always find the compromise. He'd say, you know, Ferrari would threaten to quit every three years, and he'd say, right, what do you, what do you guys want? We're not going to give you exactly that, but here's kind of a watered down version. And Ferrari would say, <laughs> they'd say, see, see, we're no, we're good, we're good now with that. Right. Okay. Um, I have one more dumb question about this. Who other than like dummy, dumbass fans like me who just wants to see an ele- and more cars? And more drivers get a chance. Who actually wants an eleventh car, eleventh team on the grid? Like, why does the FIA want an eleventh car? Like, who actually wants this? Mm-hmm. Other than Michael Andretti, apparently, like really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 my, Andretti's going to stop at nothing. Well, Colton Herter as well is probably a second one. Uh, um, yeah. want it. I think that the if you're the FIA, you're looking at F1 right now, and all those things you mentioned do come into it. They're like, we want more young drivers going into the sport. Yeah. You know, we want we want more. I think there's always been this kind of 
obsession with how many manufacturers are involved in racing. You know, the, the more you have, the healthier you look. And, you know, if you get them involved in Formula One, can you then get those teams interested in going across to other FIA series? You know, are they bringing drivers across? You know, I think they look at the whole FIA ecosystem there and they say, if Cadillac isn't involved at all anywhere around here, I mean, they, you know, they've, they've obviously got racing projects, all these, all these manufacturers do. But if we can get them into Formula One, how much of that is going to trickle down? The money they're going to bring in, you know, mm-hmm. are they going to become a big? Are they going to become a big player in it? Um, yeah. Are they going to commit themselves for the next thirty years? Because as well, like let's say Ferrari did decide, hey, we want to quit, but actually you've established that Cadillac is the new big player, and 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 they've become the big team. If you're the FAA, you're like, okay, it's it's a blow we're losing Ferrari, but thank God Cadillac came in when they did, because now, you know, they've got the brand, they've got the resources, they've got the facility. So I think it's just it's just completely long-term thinking you know it's like how how can we future-proof the sport as much as possible and the more manufacturers you have coming in that manufacturers not it's very rare unless you're honda i guess to come into a sport and quit very very quickly you know honda's always kind of had those knee-jerk reactions to things was really even renault you know look when they came in they said well we're going to win the championship eventually they've kind of they've rebranded but they've stuck with it whether or not they they can win what they want to do but renault didn't just come in to win in but they didn't come back in 2016 to win in 2018. They were like, we want to win long-term into the future. And if you're the FAA, you're like, hey, these guys are now committing. It's like if, if to go back to the to the NFL cities thing, if Seattle had said, hey, yeah, we want, a, we want an NFL team um, and we want to or sign a five-year team in this case. because Yeah, so yeah, right. Sorry, I, I, I was trying to work out when the Seahawks came to be, but I, I wasn't <laughs> sure. But, if, but if, if there was any doubt that, hey, these, these guys only really want to be around for five years, yeah. The question would be: Are they benefiting the league in any way? And you look at teams or is like this Williams. Owner just going to move them somewhere shitty. Yeah, yeah, right. You know which, which, yeah, which I'm not sure what the equivalent of that would be in Formula One. That'd be quite interesting. Moving Ferrari to America would be that yeah. would be a big story. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I think hopefully that answers the question because I think ultimately a brand like Cadillac coming in, you're basically a. It's a great news story. You're saying look. Formula One's so great right now. We've got people coming in. One of the things you, when you look at Formula E in in the past few years, all those manufacturers have been leaving. It's it looks like a, it's a, a ship sinking a little a little bit. You know, you see all these all these manufacturers say, actually, we signed up for Formula E. We don't think what we signed up for is 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 what we have currently. We can't commit to it long term. It just looks like things are falling apart. So, if you're bringing in a Cadillac, you're bringing in you know, there's there's rumors of Ford, you know, looking at Formula One as well. There's obviously Porsche coming in. You're suddenly saying, like, look, we're so great right now. All these names that you recognize, that you see on the roads, these these car, these companies that are renowned for building cars, they all want to be part of this as well. Um, so I think it's just it's just about growing what you have and making sure it's still there in 10, 15 years, as strong as it is now. Mm. I think moving away from this a little bit, but keeping on to the idea of like with the finances, uh, I, this has been it's such an expensive sport it's a sport that pe- where teams were like they say like this is like you you go to, you don't go to formula one to make money it's that like you go and you lose money doing formula one but now with the new popularity with the new brand deals with vegas with the american the influence after drive to survive and now with the cost cap even though i'm, I'm curious to hear what the cost cap actually like are these teams really not spending the 400 billion dollars anymore but but first are the teams starting to actually become profitable because i think i've heard some people kind of t- t- talk about that that like a-, a team like a haas or something like on the on the bottom skirts can actually like not just be like hemorrhaging money anymore is that true yeah it is and um you may have seen when when haas uh introduced moneygram joining 
of the mm-hmm. things Gunther Steiner said was he was like, well, now we can actually spend up at that level. You know, we can actually do that. And they can do that without the fear of like, well, actually, can we afford to do this? It's like, no, we have that money. And like you said, the the the, the piece of the pie is the same. You know, they've still got one tenth of it, but that right. pie is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the money coming into them is much bigger. And I think that's having a bigger impact on a team like Haas, a team like Williams, than it might do at Red Bull uh, or, or at Mercedes. And, and again, that that as well, that's something I meant to mention earlier. That's also another reason for the reluctance to add an 11th right. team. You know, if you're Haas, you're yeah. looking at it and you're like, you know, we've we've been here seven, eight years, whatever it is now. Yeah. We've struggled for a few years to, to, you know, to stay here, to be competitive. Do we just want this team joining now the going's good and kind of jumping mm. in on on what we've helped to create? So I think there is that feeling as well in the paddock, which Haas is you know massively. Well, Gunther <laughs> yeah. Steiner, Gunther Steiner helped. Gunther Steiner did help to yeah. create this brand. It's true. <laughs> yeah, true. But so, Haas, the motorsport team, didn't really do much. No, I mean no one, no one's, no one's there. Like I'm glad because you know Gene Haas, obviously, it's kind of motor tools, isn't it? It's automation. It's all of his machine tools that he's promoting. Yeah. Yeah. I right. don't think they've been. I don't think they've really done anything either way for formula one right um but i think that the, the feeling there Haas would be like cadillac coming in off the sweat of our backs you know? the sweat of, yeah. <laughs> that would be a funny i'd love to see gunther steiner saying that because it would be ridiculous but also quite entertaining no but it is him. true that his personality has added to like the only <laughs> yeah. reason any i see Haas hats in america now and it's yeah same. yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's not because they're doing well it's because of him. <laughs> I see what, yeah, I see one right here on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, about the cost cap. So this $150 million, is that like really what these teams are? It's like it used to be for, like, you know, in 2019, 2017, whatever, they were spending like 400 plus million dollars. Are they really only spending $150 million or is it is it this kind of like, you know, accounting where it's like, well, on this thing, these are the things that are like, this is the stuff that you can spend the money on the cost cap on, but like, hmm. is, is Red Bull and Mercedes and Ferrari really spending a, a basically a third of their previous budgets with this? That's always been the big question, and yeah. I think it was the biggest criticism when it came in was how are you going to police a team like Mercedes or McLaren or Red Bull? You know, how, how do you know they're spending exactly what? They say they're spending just on Formula One. I mean, Christian Horner joked to us time and time again last year. He said the biggest department now at Red Bull is our accounting department. Mm-hmm. And he, the joke he was making was like, because we're trying to stay in the cap. But you could read between the lines, lines there and say, we've well, also probably got some people there trying to work out, well, how do we, how do we make sure we're still spending money? And this right. isn't an accusation about Red Bull. I think all the top teams will be will have looked at this. Like, how are we going to get everything we want to spend within the cap, but still find ways? You know around that also if you have an engine can't you isn't that not count against the cap so you could put if you put something in power unit well yeah side, so it you, you still have to could, get that couldn't you spend a hundred million dollars in your power unit well it has to be for those exemptions are given for things like you know you're like we have to make this this is like a if we don't have this the engine could blow up in the car next week and it won't be safe so if you can prove stuff like that you know if you're making right, a reliability right. change um so like you know, Alpha Alpha would have had certain concessions made when Guan Yu Zhou had that crash, but that still would have been massively expensive because right. that's one thing Horner said when Verstappen and Hamilton had that crash. He said, you know, that was a we had to rebuild an entire chassis. It was a big chunk out of their budget cap for twenty one. So these teams are struggling. You know, Red Bull. You you could really tell Red Bull, Mercedes. Um, they they're the teams that felt like they had to do the most to kind of bring themselves down to that. You know, and I think that the, 
one of the reasons it didn't go lower was because those teams said, if you bring this any lower, we're literally just going to have to, we have to be firing people left, right, and center. And mm-hmm. ultimately F1 was like, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be making people unemployed. So I think, you know, the, 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 the cost cap overspend that Red Bull had, a lot of that seemed procedural at the end of the day when it came down to it. But clearly they've struggled more than any other team to fit everything they do into that into that package, you know, into that number. And I think it always has it always has a knockover effect. I mean, there's suggestions that teams are already right on the on the limit of what they should be spending, or so were on the limit of what they should be spending at the end of last year. Right. So I think Horner said that like multiple teams are gonna be over the budget this year. That's what he said. And he yeah. it and he actually called it. He said he said he was like, I th- I think when I think he was talking in kind of I think it may have been Miami because I remember I was in the in the media session and I was sweating an ungodly amount and that could only have been in in Miami this year. <laughs> Miami, it was so warm. Yeah, sure. Um, and he was saying he said, you know, the budget cap is going to be repeatedly be an issue because we're basically. So I think if I'm trying to remember the exact number, but there was something like the spreadsheet that Red Bull gave the FAA was something like 160,000 pages of an Excel document. So that's per team. Imagine that accounting job. So you have this fascinating situation now with with the cost cap is our teams finding ways to spend around it or our teams simply not actually you know they're just they're just making mistakes when it comes to procedure which is kind of what Red Bull did what Aston did I mean Red Bull did overspend you know they they went over and they you know that amount what was it, it was just it was just under 2% or whatever it was mm-hmm. um so clearly there's overspends happening whether they're intentional overspends whether they're kind of we'll do this and We'll see what the penalty is. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, be the judge of that. But I think one thing that people said was they looked at Red Bull's penalty and they said, "Is it now worth intentionally overspending?" Right. If you know that's the penalty you're going to get. Right. And, um, worth it. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it is. I think that from from what I've I've spoken to people at the FIA about this, I've said, "How how can you be sure that they're not spending out? You know, that teams aren't finding clever ways to do this." And I think that's been one of the biggest. It's been a it's been a, a growing. You know, it's been a learning curve for the FAA because they've suddenly had to basically audit ten teams, but not just at one point. They've had to be keeping tabs on them throughout the year, um, and they've been pretty confident that those things haven't been going on. But obviously, all the all the teams are constantly, you know, Mercedes are constantly looking across at Red Bull and Ferrari, and they're like, "Where'd that come from? Where's right, that from?" Right, right. You know, and and you heard Ferrari and Mercedes both saying, "Well, we couldn't have we couldn't have matched that level of development last year," and you're like, "Well." True, but maybe Red Bull found a way. You you just don't know. So I I don't want to be the guy that says they're definitely they're definitely all overspending because ultimately, if that doesn't come out from the FIA, who are the guys ultimately looking over every single bit of it? We don't know. Um, I'd like to think they're not, but last year kind of <laughs> filled me with some doubts. I guess. Who's your uh, favorite person? You said you were like in the media, you know, in the in like the bullpen. In terms yep. of the people that you've had to deal with, like who's fun to talk to, who's who's a pain to talk to, who's like doesn't give you shit, who get, is is Christian? I'm getting the vibe that you that you that you like Red Bull and you like Christian, but am, am I wrong? I I find I, I find Christian interesting when you talk to him. I like the fact that he is the way he is. I know he's kind of the super villain of of F1, mm-hmm. but he's such a character, and I think that you know Christian is he's always fascinating. He will always give you a quote. I think he's always very good at he'll go into a press press session and he's very smart at he's like this is what I want to talk about this is what I want the media to go away from this talking about and I think he's he could go into politics I think Christian Horner you know he's yeah. he's got that kind of way about him um I I don't think I I don't think I like Red Bull over other teams but I certainly you know I enjoy I've enjoyed the difference in culture between them and Mercedes um 
Horner, actually, this might go down badly on your podcast, but has always been massively reasonable to me. You know, polite, says hello. So he's to me, he's never been that super villain that that he comes across on on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, easy to deal with. Danny Rick is great. Danny Rick's always been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I get on well with, with with Kevin Magnuson. You know, he's he's a guy I've spoken to because obviously the Has connection, ESPN. We've always talked there. Um, if you ask Kevin a bad question, he'll kind of look at you and laugh and say, "Come on, man! Like, you know <laughs> what are you what, what are you doing?" And I respect that about him. You know, he he'll he'll kind of say it as it is. Um, and a lot of the young guys, I mean, Lando's Lando's always pretty good. You know, gives good answers. Max Max with us is usually pretty good. You know, he he can get punchy in those bigger press conferences, but mm. we, we talk a lot to these guys in kind of you know small huddles and stuff like that. I think once he gets to know you. Um, and I've got quite a memorable face, you know, big, big round head, beard, bald head. I think he looks and he's like, okay, I know who this guy is. Um, and yeah, and, and Lewis is, Lewis is fantastic as well. You know, just always gives great answers. And that's basically what our business is about. Um, in terms of, in terms of less good, I find <laughs> stroll, I find stroll very difficult. Well, well okay. Um, Which one? Both of them? <laughs> both, well, yeah, both. I do find both difficult. I mean, Lance How? just, I mean, Lance Lance is Lance comes across on camera how he is with us. You know, he he kind of I've always thought he makes driving an F one car sound like he's filling out a tax return. You know, <laughs> that's he speaks about it with the same enthusiasm as that, <laughs> which is fine. Like he's allowed to do that, but mm. he kind of uh, he's the only driver that I feel, and this is just my personal take from speaking to him. But he's the only driver you feel that is genuinely maybe looking down his nose at you and thinking mm. I'm better than this person. Mm. Um, and maybe that's to do with upbringing. Maybe it's just my take. Maybe, you know, right. I might be completely wrong. He might just not like me, which, you know, which has happened in the past mm-hmm. um, with different drivers. And I mean, I, when he first started out, I, I, me and a few other you know, journalists, we would, we would ask a lot, like, does the pay driver thing annoy you? Does the fact that you're driving for your dad's team annoy you? And, he didn't tell us whether that annoyed him, but clearly the questions and those that questions would, that him. would annoy me probably. Yeah, and I think that I think that I remember having a conversation with his press officer. And I was like, "What I'm trying to get get at is, do you feel like?" Because I think he just had a podium when I was asking him this, and I was like, "It feels like you've done enough Proving in F1, yeah, to show that you you can race." You know, he's had that. You know, he should have won that race when when Lewis won the seventh championship. It was that Turkey? I think it was when he had pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, the guy's shown he can race, and that you know obviously i think he's quite fluctuating in his form so i probably asked the question badly but i think yeah stroll is probably the one that stands out um as difficult but to be honest with you i mean even then there's some journalists who i speak to and they they've had nothing but good experiences with him so Mm. a lot of it comes down to subjective and there'll probably be people listening to this being like i don't like this english guy (laughs) so i I, you know i feel like he's 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 probably asking there's nobody that's going to take yeah, uh, yeah. Stroll's side against your side on this podcast. <laughs> among our, among, our, among our listeners. What's Alonzo like? Oh, Alonzo is probably my favorite person in Formula One. Yeah. Um, he, he, yes! I, I'm, not just, I'm not just saying that, Matt, because you have the hat on either. I'm saying that because <laughs> I think Alonzo, I, I grew up as a huge uh, wrestling fan in the 90s, you know, WWF mm-hmm. as it was called yeah. then. Yeah, yes. like where this is going. Yeah, Fernando Alonso <laughs> would have fit right in as a heel in the Astude era, he no, would have yeah. been, he would have been up there. Him and Austin would have headlined like three WrestleManias together. You know, they, it New would have been the good guys. Yeah, right. He, I think the thing with Alonso is he knows how good he is. He knows he should be winning the titles that Hamilton has, mm-hmm. the titles Max is now. Yes. Um, and you never know with Fernando. You, you always, when you hear Fernando talk, you're like, is he playing me here? 
And usually he is. Usually he's he'll say something to you in an interview, and then he'll word it differently to a to a TV <laughs> reporter outside and give the other answer. Or two weeks later, like he did it a few times this year when you know he would slag off Lewis on the radio. He would say, "I can't remember what it was in Belgium." He said, "He knows how to drive from from the from the from, lead from the back." Yeah. yeah, and then there yeah. was something later in the year, wasn't there, when he said. Um, He'd, some he'd, some championships are more legitimate than others. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, he, so yeah. he basically twice, one of them in the heat of the moment. So you say, fair enough. You, you given the benefit of the doubt, he did say after oh, they just collided. The second one was very much you know a sit down interview. In both of them, his response was basically, "Well, the the British media are just taking this out." You know, the British speaking media is taking. <laughs> yes. so, dude, you said it. Like you yeah. said those things. Um, <laughs> and he, I don't know. I've, I've always got the vibe from Fernando that there's kind of a, an element of thinking he's the smartest guy in the room a lot of the time. And I'm not well, sure he will. And, and I'm not dissing his intelligence level, but it's not always the case. You know, he's made a lot of career mistakes in terms of where he's gone and okay, what he's done okay. at different times. Yes. So I think yes. he, Matt, let him speak. Let him speak. So I think well, he, I, mass, I, I actually, I actually massively rate him as a driver. I think it's, it's him, Lewis and Max far above everyone else. And then yes. you've got second tier right now, yes. but him as a person, um, is just so compelling. When he was with Stoffel Van Dorn as teammate at McLaren, he basically would start every answer. You'd say, you know, you finished 11th today, wasn't great. He's like, yeah, well, you know, my teammate, who's the greatest GP2 champion of all time, could only manage 18th. And here I am in 11th. How great could I be? And that was every week. And by the end, it was like, dude, just stop. You know, you, you know that Simpsons game right. where it's like, stop, he's already dead. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, dude, yeah. he murdered Vandor. him. He's done. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, we get it. You're, we get it. You're ruining Vandon's career. Like, you don't right. have to keep telling us. But he was using right. it as like a look how good I am type yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing <laughs> because I would rather 10 Alonzos like that than 10 really well media trained guys that don't say anything. Um, I think right. it's why, I think it's why he's so popular. You know, he, he, you know, he, has that kind of fiery side to him as well. Like he'll say yeah. things like about Lewis. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what's your take? I, I'm not sure. Well, I just, well, uh, we, Matt, Matt would my takes, my takes, my takes on this are well known. <laughs> <to our own. laughs> we don't need to get into how he's my favorite person in the world, but um, what do we think about, you talk about him making awful decisions. Um, yeah. yeah. How do we rate this move to Aston Martin? Yeah. Is that, is that going to go down as another awful decision? I'm not sure if it'll go down as an awful decision because we'll have to see Aston are throwing a lot of money, you know, at what you know Lawrence Stroll really wants to win. I'm not sure whether does you know, he want going to happen over three years. But does he want Alonso to win? Well, this is this is so another thing that was fascinating last year. Do you remember when Stroll basically nearly catapulted Alonso into the yeah, middle? Oh, yeah, of the tried, yeah, we were at, we were at that race. Tried, tried and failed. Yeah, tried and failed. <laughs> so we were at the, we were at uh, Austin this year. Yeah. Yeah. Bear in mind how Alonso had responded when Lewis and him had a clumsy collision together, which was Lewis's fault. Right. But, you know, they'd had a clumsy collision together. Clearly was Lewis's fault. Yeah. And he'd said what he said about, you know, a guy that at the very least is in the picture of being the greatest driver of all time. Yes. When Stroll, like, could have seriously injured him, he came back and was like, nah, racing incident. You know, I think <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> and it's like the guy is already trying to keep the Strolls. You know, he's trying to keep the strolls happy. And that's the funny thing. If that move wasn't happening, he would have absolutely eviscerated Lance Stroll in his <laughs> in his yes. media reporting. But he's smart enough to know that, hey, that's not gonna that's not gonna work for me right now. Okay. Um I think as much as Lance Stroll might want Lance to beat Fernando, I I don't see a point where they're gonna be able to make that happen on track because yeah. Alonso is just so much better than most drivers on the grid. Yeah. Um as for the Aston Martin move, I liked it, but it shows you how many bridges he's burnt in his career because that's really the only place he could have gone after Alpine. Mercedes don't want anything to do with him. Red Bull didn't want to sign him. 
they had a few chances too. Ferrari have said no chance we're getting him back. And then beyond that, it's like, well, do you right now do you want to drive for another team? McLaren, I don't think he'd go back there either. Well, so. you never thought he'd go back to McLaren and he did. So that's true. Blackmail them and cost them yeah. over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. It was amazing that Ron still... Dennis came back and said, Yeah, fine. You know, we'll we'll, we'll let bygones be bygones there. Um, but that was interesting as well, that that whole thing, because the reason what led to Vettel's move away from Ferrari in twenty foot twenty fifteen was Alonso kind of trying to play two teams against each other, McLaren and Ferrari for his services. And then because Vettel had done so badly at Red Bull that year, had triggered performance con- clauses in his contract, had gone and spoken to Ferrari and they'd said, Fine, yeah, we'll sign you because Alonso's kind of playing us around. They got to Suzuka that year and Fernando was like, wait a minute, what? You've signed you've signed who? <laughs> so where do I go? And suddenly McLaren was his only option. So it's kind of like he was, you know, he was like, okay, well, I'll play nice now. I have to go back there. And it seemed like he would have gone there anyway, but it, it was just a great example of him thinking, I'm controlling this narrative, the situation. And actually, he kind of made a you know a bit of a mess of it. But that's just my take looking at it. In life, he, when he thinks he's he, playing chess. <laughs> right, yeah. He yeah, he thought Queen's Gambit was about checkers, but he, <laughs> yeah, he didn't understand it was about chess. Yeah, yeah. We talked about like the storylines this season going forward with this season, things to look out for, both whether it be like the situation at Aston, if if they can really the, the tensions between Alonso and Stroll, like we talked about the tensions between the FIA and um F one and you know Christian Horner and Mohammed Ben Salam. What are what what are you what are you looking forward to this year? Like what's what what do you have yeah. your eye on in yes. terms of like where do you see the potential like landmines going off this year? Landmines, I think a big one is uh Hamilton v. Russell. I think Ooh. if Mercedes I think if Mercedes mm-hmm. does make that step forward, I think it's been very you know, there is a real respect there between them. But naturally, if they're up there with Red Bull, suddenly, you know, you have t- as we saw with Red Bull. Drivers hate team orders. <laughs> they hate being told, let the other guy through. And imagine if Russell is quicker in a race, you know, you're, you're saying to Lewis, like, hey, let's keep this one-two position. I can see that potentially getting a bit messy. I can mm-hmm. see some moments where, you know, those two guys take shots at each other, um, even if the respect stays there. But I think that's going to be fascinating. And Mercedes is going to have to manage that if they are competitive. They haven't historically one. managed them at all. Well, that's it, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Lewis, Lewis when he was with Rosberg. Yeah. And then with Bottas, never really had to... It was never really an issue yeah. because Bottas... But Russell is just such a talented young driver that I think it is... It's it's a different environment. And Lewis, we know how good Lewis is, right? But the two of them, the one thing that they, I don't think they're going to want to do is give the other guy, you know, help. You know, I think right. it's when, when you look at Max and Checo, Max clearly knows he's a different... He's a better driver than Checo is. I think Checo's great, but Max is clearly better. George could, you know, if he wins a few more races at the start of the year, you're like, well, this guy's this guy's as good a driver as we've seen in a top team for a long time. Yeah. So uh, that's a big what one. Was, what was the uh, what was the this? I forgot there was a there was a time where they were right next to each other, and forgot how this played out. But but George is like, what are we are we racing or what? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, that's there right. Was an attitude of like, what right. what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And yeah, right. And I, I I remember the incident, but I can't remember the race. And he sounded like a guy that was like hinting, Yeah. Oh, we should be racing here. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not yeah, yeah. Go through. Um and interestingly, I remember that happening with Ricardo and Vettel in twenty fourteen. Ricardo in one of the early races was like, you know, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah. When he was sat behind Vettel and he was basically yeah. saying, you know, let me mm. through. I think talking of Ricardo, I think the form of Perez is going to just be a storyline all season. You know, they've got Ricardo there now. Okay. Um, So we have a lot of, we have a lot of delusional DR fans here. (laughs) Tell us, tell us 
Is that possible? Do is you that see possible? That? If Checo is, let's say Checo, because Checo had that that spike in form in the beginning, and then they, mm. you know, according to all the Checo fans, you know, they developed a car away from him, and and you know, <laughs> yeah, completely not his fault, and you know, it was corrupt and all this and all that. That's fine. Maybe there's some truth to that. But if if Checo is struggling, and I mean, how bad is the vibe there? First of all, that you're picking. To be honest with you, the vibe. The vibe, Red Bull are always very good at kind of hiding a lot of those things. Um, I know <laughs> not, that in not the, at the end of the way. year, but, but no, but like for, right. Ferrari was kind of always out there. It's like, oh yeah. wow, look how bad things are. Whereas Red Bull, I think, have always been good at you know they're like, we'll talk about this quickly, then we'll go out to face the media. And after Brazil, they were like, no, there's no issue. No, the mm-hmm. Monaco thing's not a thing. You know, they right. they were all they were all on point with it really impressively, and it's quite frustrating because it's like, man, like these guys have really closed up shop on it. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Checo was, I think he was pissed. I think he was, you know, and, you know, I have colleagues at ESPN Mexico who said the same thing. There was, you know, they genuinely left Brazil very, very pissed off. But ultimately, what's he going to do? You know, Max is the better driver of the two of them. You know, he's a world-class driver, probably is going to end up as one of the greats of all time. And Perez, Perez has put himself into a great position, but also kind of a frustrating position in that he's been so good as that second driver. He's been competitive. He's won races where Max hasn't, you know, has maybe had some bad moments. Um, he was probably a better driver than Max at about three or four races last year, which is something that Albon and Gasly could never really say, you know, mm-hmm. when they were there, they struggled so much. So I think Perez has put himself in a position where he's become so good that he's clearly never going to be the guy that gets the favor, you know, in terms of those moments, because I think Max is just going to be ahead of him. So for him to lose the seat, I think he'd have to have a massive downturn in form. I think he's exactly what Red Bull want in that seat. He's competitive. He's quick. You know, he, he puts up fights against Lewis, like he did in Abu Dhabi and, and Qatar in 21, but he did it throughout 22 as well. And I think that the question when it comes to Danny Rick is what, what Danny Rick are you getting? If you do want to get rid of Perez, yeah. are you getting the Danny Rick of 2018 or are you going to get the Danny Rick of the last two years? Uh, okay. And I think okay. there's no way, there's no way of knowing really. And I think that's, well, can they ultimately... figure that out in the sim? Can he get some, can he get some time, you know, can he get a few test sessions and they can kind of assess that out or not really? I don't think his deal is going to allow them to have that big of a look at him. You know, it's it's a, it's a handful of sim sessions, but really it's more of a brand ambassador thing. You know, a lot of this year away for Danny Rick seems to be kind of a mental, I want to get away for a bit and just, I, I think like rediscover his love for Formula One. I don't think it's where Red Bull are going to turn around and say, have you seen how quick Ricardo yeah. is in the sim? And, and it's not like the old days of F1 either where you would over summer you'd be like let's go have three days of testing just yeah. thrashing cars around a circuit so, so, for three days and see who's so better checo gets COVID, let's say god forbid checo gets yeah. sick checo has appendicitis like an albon situation god forbid who actually is going to fill in there do you think yeah so because it's a weird one isn't it because reserve driver they were like is officially liam lawson still oh I see. um mm. but i think Danny Rick would step in. I, I I think it would be, especially if, let's consider where the championship might be. Right, right. If it's an important guy, race, yeah. Yeah, like Liam Lawson, if, incredibly talented guy, like exciting driver, but he's basically learning on the fly an F1 car mm-hmm. and he's stepping into a race winning, potentially race winning car. Danny Rick's still doing that, but he's got however many races experience. He's won eight races. Right. Um, so I think he would get the nod if he was there as well. There's some races he won't be at, but he can still be flown out to a race like um, like we've seen in the past with some drivers. So right. I don't know. It's um, it's a great thing for them to have, and maybe it puts Perez under a bit of pressure. But I think ultimately, to me, it shows you that the Red Bull driver program is actually as weak as it's been for a long time. You know, you've got Max, you've got Checo, you've got Lawson there, but really, who are the next big guys? There was always someone obvious on the horizon Yuki, for them. Yuki Tsunoda, obviously. 
Yeah, Yuki, but <sighs> Yuki's kind of in that weird. I love Yuki. I think he's fantastic, but this year seems so key for him. So, right. Um, so we'll see. Um, it's other storylines though. Um, Ferrari is always a storyline, isn't it? Every year, Obviously. are Ferrari gonna implode? Um, but I'm, <laughs> would you, I'm would fascinated. Would you have fired him? Would you have fired him? I, I don't think I would, purely because I think, obviously, Bonotto has set up a situation where, um, the team was able to come back. Like he, he put everything in place for them to master that 2022 rule change. And yeah. I think the problems, uh, the problems are big. But is changing the guy at the very top the answer? I think there's clearly just operational issues and stuff like that. But was and, the trust gone with Leclerc? I think that I think the Leclerc issue ultimately is probably what is what you know pushed it over the edge, and the fact that Benotto's never really been seen as somebody who's in favour with the the big guns at Ferrari. Um, mm. But ultimately, you know, you look at the two most successful teams in F one, Red Bull and Mercedes, right now anyway, Red Bull and Mercedes. The two things they've got going for them is longevity. Horner's been there for thirteen years. Well, it's probably longer than that actually, fifteen, sixteen years. Wolf was there with Lauda, obviously has been at the helm of the team for so long. And, you know, Horner from 2014 until 2020, Red Bull were doing terribly, but they never once said, we're going to get rid of Horner. They were like, yeah. no, we, we're, you know, we've got a culture here. We're buying into the bigger picture. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. You know, we have the people in place. We trust the personnel. So there, when it first happened, I was like, it makes sense. I completely understood why they did it. But, and I think Fred Vasseur is a good replacement, but I think the problems are bigger than just one man, if that makes sense. How about you guys? Were you pro or anti? I mean, I just hate, I mean, I hated his vibe and I hated the way he sort of was like, they would like fuck up something colossally and, and he would be yeah. like, we just did not have the pace today. And it's like, right, you right. had the pace. It wasn't, the, the issue wasn't the pace or, you know, like, I mean, ultimately yeah. you could, but he just, he, he obfuscated from questions. He didn't like, he didn't take responsibility. And for like, for all of Christian Horner's, whatever there is, there can be a vibe. Like when he's like, we've, we fucked it up today. And so yeah. with Toto this year, he was that, like, Toto was like, we, we were terrible today. Like he has, there's leadership qualities that are, that are just inherent to like, uh, uh, that a monkey could see kind of thing yeah. <laughs> yeah. gaslighting everybody saying you know they were never going to win anyway because their car wasn't fast enough it's just yeah that 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 really that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and i think just to, to close off this point because i don't know whether i think we've massively overrun maybe so sorry yeah, for yeah. no for no you're thanks getting... to people that are still listening but um uh i think that that was the one thing i noticed with ferrari is culture there yeah. is when Mercedes make a mistake. And Bonotto said one of the things that really infuriated, not infuriated me, but just I just couldn't understand it. He said, you guys don't criticize Mercedes and Red Bull when they make the same mistakes. And I was kind of like, well, we we do. And the thing is that when they make them, they usually come back a much better team. You know, right. when Mercedes make mistakes, they like you were saying, like they'll say, hey, we, we really effed up today. Ferrari were like, no, we didn't mess up. Even though we, right. you know, we, we sent Leclerc out in, you know, on dry tires in the rain. That wasn't our fault. That was, that was the rain. That was the rain. <laughs> yeah. that was the rain. <laughs> it's like, guys, just admit you made a mistake. Like, it's right, fine. Right, right. If you made a mistake, just tell people Those how you're going to Those teams be rarely make the same mistake twice, and, and Ferrari made the same mistake seemingly, like, over and over and over again this year. Yeah. Um, and, and again, when it comes to Bonotto, like, you ultimately, there does have to be accountability. So I totally get the firing but i just i'm just not sure whether it's it's actually yeah. going to solve anything in the long run if that makes sense so i think we also come from like american sports culture where it's like if the coach fucked up this colossally like they're they're fucking out of there uh yeah but i think yeah. it's a it is a bigger it's a bigger uh, job and he did build job. a fast car but i mean he just it, it, he was so toxic his whole vibe 
Um, and that weird thing at Silverstone when he was like pointing at Leclerc. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I just that that to me was just a, a, a real snapshot of their season of kind of like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know what. So. Yeah, it was hard to, to, to. He seemed like he he could build a good car, but he didn't have the sort of interpersonal skills uh, to yeah. right. engender a sort of trust. Um, so this FTX thing happens. Where where oh, where okay. are the rest? Where are the where are the rest of the cars? Oh, yeah. I mean, are we just gonna roll out? Okay, so that so Mercedes is dropping that sponsor. Is everybody else good with with their guys with their with their respective crypto sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> so when I I think this this shows you where we're at with crypto in the world is when I asked other teams about it, they're like, no, we're fine. We're, what? we're not with FTX. It's like, have you not checked the market recently? Like it's right. It's volatile. It's, it's beyond yeah. volatile. You know, it could happen to any of them. Um, and I think that I mean Mercedes were genuinely they were blown away when that happened. They you know they went they went to bed one night with you know a great sponsor on the car. The next day they didn't have it. Right. And you look across the grid, it used to be obviously tobacco sponsorships. It's now yeah. crypto. So yeah. I think that I think I think publicly they're putting on a brave face a lot of teams about it. But I think there's probably been well I know one team in particular has done um, a lot of like a big deep dive into like we have a very big crypto partner. Um, is this sustainable going forward? And if it's not, how the hell do we kind of make sure that if it does go where FTX went, how do we make sure that, you know, we're not just suddenly left in that situation? I think for Mercedes, it hurt them, but it's not like it was the end of the world for them. If it happens to a team, maybe a bit lower down, you're in a bit more trouble. Well, it's a financial um, hit for sure, but it's also just a branding. It's a it's a PR nightmare that you associate yeah. yourself with a scam. Yeah, big time. And suddenly, and, and then suddenly you look like a foolish brand, don't you? So like... Mercedes was mentioned in all of these things with with mm -hmm. you know your Brady's your Matt Damon's who yeah, who actively right. took part in kind of pushing it. Whereas really Mercedes were like, well, we only put the thing on the car, but still it's like, well, you still you still bought into it like everybody else did. So yeah, That's I think Haas's that job to to, yeah, to right yeah. yeah. I think Haas. Like... It was nice to see another team actually just just having an absolute nightmare with a sponsor. <laughs> but wasn't Haas because Haas just seems bless them. Like hopefully MoneyGrammer, you know. Are the, are the future for them because I think if they had a third one, I think half the team would be like, "I'm done. I can't, can't keep doing this." Um, but yeah, like, I think Money um, Graham, like your your father's Venmo, like it's like a pretty weird company. Yeah, I'd not heard about it. It's uh, until about a week before, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was yeah. public, and I think that's a really that's the best description I've heard of it. Your, your dad's Ven, Ven, Venmo yeah. is Venmo is for the your best dad. word. Okay. So, so hey, hopefully it works out for for us. But yeah, it's not it's not maybe the sexiest sponsor you could put on the car, but sure. if it's bringing them the money, hopefully that that kind of makes up for that. I guess. How um, how many races do you go to typically? Like, how, what? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did thirteen last year. I'm wow. slated to do sixteen this year. Wow. So that's that'll be the most I've ever done in a in a season. Um, so I mean, it's 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 great. You know, obviously it comes yeah. with its drawbacks. It comes with its massive positives. But it you get to this stage in the year and you're like, I'm just glad to be in the same place for, for right, four right, weeks. Right. Any any uh, funny stories from the from the track this year? You'd like to share. I've got one. I've got an Alonzo one. I've got an Alonzo one. Yes, <laughs> there we go. That's what I actually wanted. <laughs> I, mean, two, I, was like, actually. I was like, anything you, got... you can think of. Anything. <laughs> anything yeah. that, yeah. Two Alonzo stories. <laughs> I'm going to tell my girlfriend to prepare a cold shower for me. Hold on. <laughs> um, so I remember one was, again, going back to Fernando, just for the, just for Matt's benefit here. Um, I don't know if you remember, but in Spain, um, going into Spain, he'd, he, he came in kind of having to defend himself for making a lot of comments about the FAA and penalties he'd had in Miami. Oh, yes. And right, we, had right, the, right. We, we had the Thursday press conference with, and Fernando was kind of one of the guys front and center. That's when they were all in that big room yeah, and they were yeah, talking yeah. together. He was asked about it. He was very critical. He said, I don't know who's making these decisions. I think he, I think he 
he kind of he called the FIA stewards like amateurs or something like that. Very, <laughs> very bullshit kind of Fernando Alonso statement. Uh, come out of that press conference. And I think there was a media session because basically half the drivers do the, the Thursday press press conference. The other 10 do media sessions like with us yeah. and the TVs. So like they're not on the like in the TV pen, not in the not in the press conference. Right. I think I was going down to Haas or to Alpha for, for one of them, you know, one of the sit down sessions. So I was walking past Alpine and I'm like, oh, who's Fernando talking to? And he's talking to Ben Sullian. And I was the first one to notice. And, and Chris Madeline, one of my friends who's, you know, a, Big, big guy, big name on Twitter yeah. was there. And I was like, how long has that been going on? He's like, oh, like as soon as he came out, he was basically grabbed by him. And Fernando looked at us and like turned his back to us, you know, and was, was like trying to hide his mouth as he spoke. And we were like <laughs> trying to trying to see. They were talking about it and stuff like that. He walked down the stairs uh, afterwards. And we obviously were like, let's go ask this guy a question about, you know, what he said. And he just kind of looked at us and just like, he, he just winked at me. As if to say, like, yeah, I've I've just basically ma- managed this whole situation perfectly, like, like an absolute god. There was just the wink he gave me. It wasn't just at me. I think it was at the like the growing yeah, yeah, number the... of journalists that were there because yeah, yeah. he he was also like, a, I'm not giving you a quote on this. Like, I'm absolutely not. And um, another one late uh, on on Alonso as well. I was walking from the motorhome to um to back to the back to the media center. So you kind of go through. It's, it's weird as Amport. You kind of go from you have to walk quite a little way to get there. And they were playing Max Max Super Max over the Tannoy. Yeah. And Fernando Alonso came past me on a scooter and he was going, Max, 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 Super Max, Max, Max. <laughs> and again, he, he had his eyes closed kind of on this scooter as he came down and he stopped and saw me again. And I was looking at him laughing and he just like nodded and again, like gave a little wink and was like, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, if you've got any doubt about which side of the Max Lewis <laughs> argument Fernando's on, that was it right there. And it was funny because I, don't, I genuinely don't think he thought anyone would see him but he was, uh, he, you know. yes. so yeah so he he was obviously loving loving the kind of zamvort vibe um those are two that stand out but i'm sure oh, that's be, that's that's I'm amazing sure that's, bunch, that, um, you know i don't think we i think we can end right on those yes, that's that's exactly right what, what what Matt, in his wildest dreams that was uh, that's well, I'm glad of... I can send Matt home happy at least. Like, That's oh, right. You oh, definitely, that image I definitely can. I think I need to. I think I, I think I need to take a nap. After <laughs> I need to light up a cigarette well, and take a nap. Uh, I'll keep a I'll keep a special eye on Alonzo for you this year, man. If I ever come back <laughs> hey, on, I'll just hey. we'll just talk Alonzo stories. You know what? I think I think I think um, if we if we get like a billion dollars of funding one day, we'll just we'll just hire you away, and you'll just be the Alonzo correspondent. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Right. I think that, would, that 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 would be the dream job beyond the dream job. You we know, should do a segment every week. Just 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 call in and be like, so how's Alonzo doing this week? <laughs> hey, I mean, I I'd, I'd love yeah. to do that. It gives yeah. me a reason to kind of he'll he'll think this guy is stalking me. I keep seeing him at, at moments <laughs> when I have to wink at the guy. And, and you'll yeah. say um, you and you'll say you know it's not me stalking you. It's actually this guy named Matt Ellis Austin who lives in Los Angeles. Weird guy with a podcast who has all your Kimoa merchandise that's keeping that, company, keep it, keep that company afloat babe wait i mean when i've gotten two products they've, they've smelled they, i like wearing them but the out of the box they're wet and they smell weird <laughs> oh, really? that's odd i've never i've never owned a kamoa the, the, hey so but yeah. one, once you dry them off and let the smell come off they're very nice <laughs> oh, do you think really that's actual nice. that's just actual ode of fernando that he puts yeah, he, his, let's, maybe let's, let's, he wears all the he, he goes uh cycling in all the clothing before let's he sends them out. <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> hope um nate this was an amazing interview i mean really terrible if you want to write a feature on us i don't know how you're going to do that <laughs> yeah sorry i forgot i was interviewing you guys i forgot about that <laughs> next time i'll tell you what if, yeah, if next i can time, come back time. on we'll uh, uh we'll yeah we gotta have to have we want it to be next... right we want it to be right it, it, it's not about when yeah. it comes out we just want it when it comes out to be right so yeah, when it's, that's, when it's that's what matters most well, well where guys, can people uh find you yep 
Uh, so I write on ESPN.com forward slash Formula One. Um, oh, sorry, forward slash F1. Yeah, yeah, you, it, you, might have, it, you might have heard of it. Uh, yeah. Myself, I'm on <laughs> at Nate Saunders F1. Um, and yeah, I tweet and, you know, you can feel free to go over there and abuse me for for some of my takes on Formula One. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely love being on, guys. Thanks so much for having oh, me yeah, on. So fun. Out. Thank you so you much. We're going to have you back. So we, 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 we enter the podcast. We say, hello, Vankas, as inspired yes. by Gunter Steiner. So could you give us a goodbye, Vankas? Goodbye, Vankas. Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Goodbye, Vankas. Goodbye. Goodbye, Vankas. Goodbye, Vankas.